Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ahoy, friends. Thank you for tuning in to Truth and Justice. You are listening to the Friday follow-up for Season 14, The Reply Brief, Part 5. This week, we discuss the timeline from the night of the murder until Anand's arrest. This episode made me question a lot of things and raise a lot of great listener questions. Thankfully, I'm joined by Bob and Janet because someone has to answer these questions. But before we get into that, do we have any housekeeping notes? We do. I've got three things. Uh, thing number one, first of all, uh, happy Black Friday, everybody. This is we're in the Truth and Justice time machine. We're recording this on Tuesday. You guys are hearing this Friday, so hopefully everybody's getting some shopping. I heard that uh, like the, the big Black Friday deals are actually going to be a thing this year. They really haven't been in years past. Okay. Uh, but that's a whole conversation about economics that we don't need to have here on Truth <laughs> and Justice. Just know, at the point you're listening to this, I've probably fist fought somebody for a TV in the Walmart. That's almost surely happened. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So... I'm telling you this, telling you that, that we're recording this on Tuesday, even though you're hearing this on Friday, to let you know that after this, I'm going to be editing this tomorrow. Uh, I've given Brandon, Brandon the week off to get this out and ready for you guys to be ready on Friday. And then I, myself, Zach, and Janet are taking the rest of this week off to be with our families for Thanksgiving and for the holiday. So there is not going to be a main episode on either feed on this Sunday. Um, and uh, it's been planned. I just forgot to mention it last week, but, uh, you know, I've got my son's coming home from, from MSU, Janet's visiting family, Zach does Zach things. Um, but we're all we decided to, we're gonna take this week and actually spend it with our families to try to unplug. Um, so there won't be a main episode coming up on Sunday, uh, for the patrons. However, uh, this seemed like a good time for us to share for those of you that wanted to see now, for those of you that are on Patreon, because you want to hear the hard hitting ad non content, which we very much appreciate. This will not be for you. Uh, but for those of you that, that like some things on a little bit on the lighter side, I'm going to share on Patreon on Sunday the video of my and Zach's stand-up comedy set from Obsessed Fest. So if that is something that is of interest to you, that for and you're a patron, that will be on the the Patreon feed on Sunday for you. Uh, other than that, we're just going to take a we're going to take a breather, catch up, spend some time with the family, and hopefully you guys do the same. No one needs to be thinking about murder. Uh, over the holiday weekend. Uh, so that's thing one. I already covered thing two in thing one, which was the the comedy stuff, the comedy show that's going to be going out on the Patreon feed. Uh, and thing three is just to let you guys know is a, a special treat coming up. A couple of days ago, I got a series of voice messages from my friend and your hero, Robbie Chowdhury, who has finally she she had been kind of dabbling with the idea of listening to the reply briefs you know we we talked a lot about it we spent a lot of time together at obsessed fest and it, this is you know it, it, it takes a lot of emotional bandwidth for her to to rehash the stuff about this case right now but but she went ahead and she dug in and started listening and she is fired up and she's excited about it and she wants to do an instagram live on her feed with me um, talking about the reply briefs and the things that we have found and that we have broken down in there. Um, because if you, if you're listening, especially if you're on the Patreon and you're all the way up to, you know, we're, we're done with part nine. Now, uh, we've got through Jay's interviews and stuff that we've, you know, uncovered some things or pointed out some things that haven't been noticed before. Um, so she's pretty excited about that. And also she wants to have, 
uh, our other hero, Colin Miller, join us on that Instagram Live. So all of that is going to be coming. That that Instagram Live, it'll be on Robbie's feed. She said maybe we could find a way to simulcast it on my feed too, but I think I'm just going to let it live on Robbie's Instagram. I think that's fine. I mean, everybody can follow Robbie over there. Uh, so that should be coming up. The last email exchange that I heard with the group of us was that we were going to try to do it sometime next week. At one point, I thought we were going to do it on Sunday, and that was going to be our kind of Sunday content. Uh, but that Sunday's not going to work out, uh, so we're going to do it um, possibly next week. Nothing's been set in stone yet, um, but that is going to be coming up very soon. So I'm very excited about that. I'm excited to hear uh, what Robbie has to say, what Colin has to say about the work that we're doing right now. Um, they're going to weigh in. Uh, it, it was hinted at that very possibly there may be some new information that they know that we don't know that may come out during that Instagram live as well. Um, so when we do it, it it's going to be, I, I fully believe it's going to be a very big event. I'm super excited about it. So we will let you know uh, through our socials and through our episodes when that's coming. So there's your housekeeping. No main episode this week. We're going to be enjoying time with our family. Hopefully you're all able to do the same. Uh, patrons, you got the comedy hour video will be coming out on Sunday and sometime soon there's going to be an Instagram live with myself, Rabia and very likely Colin Miller as well. So all that's coming up very soon. And with that, uh, we're going to get into, I, I, I first want to, as usual, talk to Zach about his notes. Zach, what did you think about episode? We covered a lot of ground in episode in part five. Yeah, there. Yeah, lots, lots, and lots of ground. Actually, I was surprised at how far they went. I didn't think that it would go from from the day of the murder or the night of the murder all the way up to Adnan's arrest. I figured it would be like a couple days, like after right. the murder. I didn't expect us to go all the way up to Adnan's arrest. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I feel like the prosecutors did a really good job of persuading me into their beliefs. Um, there were several times where I was listening to their podcast and and. I don't want to say convinced, but definitely persuaded to believe that, you know, there were certain things like, like Adnan calling Patrick. Now, when it was broke down in your episode and you broke it down for me saying, well, why the hell would he do that? He doesn't know Patrick. It makes a lot of sense. But at the time when they're relaying it to me, it makes sense. They really put a lot on saying that he's calling Patrick because he wants to make sure it's clear to call Jay. Right. Now, I, I just be clear, you, you, this week you listened to the prosecutor's episode. First. Correct. Correct. Right. Yeah. So that's good. So, so. Yeah, that's an that's an interesting one. I know I don't know you got more, but that was a, another kind of the way they presented it. Not only they they kind of pushed that theory on that that's what he's doing, but then when they talked about that, well, Jay was arrested in the very next day, and they don't really get into the time gap. The mm-hmm. fact that Jay's home, he's been home, you know, it's it's you know he since the morning, it's late afternoon the next day. By the time any of those calls happen, uh, yeah, it kind of but he put it in a perspective. It gives you. A, kind of different look at it no absolutely and in the moment like i said they did a really good job of of persuading me and and, and basically like you said in your episode saying that like if you don't believe this it's kind of ridiculous that you don't believe this and there was a lot of times where i was thinking that where i was like oh yeah why why would he be calling patrick why you know i mean that makes sense that he's calling patrick to see if it's okay to call jay maybe jay's phone's bugged they even said that yeah and then when you step back you're like oh that's pretty that's pretty silly of me to actually agree with that. Yeah. But in the moment, <laughs> the way they, the way they lay it out, it, it really does seem that way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's several times that I think they um, do a fairly good job of persuading me. Uh, I'm trying to read through my notes really quick. The, the couple things, the other things that I thought were strange, um, I, I don't know the case, but just from hearsay, uh, they talked about that the defense, like the defense investigation followed along right with what the prosecution knew. Like in the the perfect timeline of like whatever the prosecution knew at the time the prosecution knew it, the defense had all that information. And then I don't feel like that's accurate from what I know past that. That I mean, that right there, we just we talked a little bit about this last week, but that is just a straight up lie. I mean, there I mean, that, that is well documented in the file they're reading from the defense constantly asking the judge to force the state to tell them who the witness is. All they knew was that there was some witness that uh, that was a co-conspirator that fingered Adnan for the crime. They didn't even know who it was. So, I mean, it, it's it's pretty outrageous that they make that claim in this episode that the defense knew everything the state knew. They absolutely did not. They found out who Jay was 
The defense found out that Jay was the co-conspirator in August, not till August. And then they, again, as I mentioned last week, they never got to see his statement to know the details of that until the day he testified at trial. They were, they were given a copy of it till the day. So I mean, that's just a straight up lie when they said that. Wow. Uh, there's another point in there where you're kind of talking about this, where Brett says that he believes that Adnan's first attorneys did follow up with Asia. And that, that I, I believe it must be said that, that Asia was never investigated or followed up with. But Brett puts it out there that he believes that the first attorneys did follow up with Asia because they went to the library and talked to the security guard. Yeah. Well, so they are. Uh, and we're going to get deeply into Asia next in next week's the next episode. But yeah, so so they had. What's in the file is that they got the letters from Asia and that uh, the PI or the investigator working for the defense had talked to a security guard at the library. So it's clear that Adnan did get the letter. He did give it to the defense. And then they went and talked to security. The security guard actually testified at the PCR hearing about, about that. And basically said, like, I, it's been months i don't know like like there's there's no the, the security footage is gone there's nothing we can do from that so then brett makes the assertion which is which is saying that asia mclean co- committed perjury when she said this didn't happen and there's nowhere on the defense notes where it says it happened but he's saying well since they talked to the security guard then they must have talked to her too even though she says they never did and there's nothing to indicate in the report that they ever did. Yeah. He, the way he portrays it to me is that I felt was like, he believes, which in turn makes me believe right. that she was fully investigated. Another point that they come across that I thought you did a good job rebutting was talking about Don and that Don doesn't appear to be dodging police. That was, that was how they relate it. Mm-hmm. And, and they kind of moved on pretty quickly, but they said they don't, they don't think Don was dodging police. They said he played phone tag and that, he answered their questions and he didn't know anything. He had talked to them, you know, he had talked to Hay on the 12th and didn't know anything. Right. And that was, uh, as I pointed out in the episode, there's little things, you know, when I'm, when I'm doing, the, as I mentioned in the earlier episodes, I'm looking at their, their presentation as though I'm doing a statement analysis. And when you do that, you've got to cut out, there's a lot of extra words when people, when people speak. Uh, I do the same thing. My students point that out to me all the time. <laughs> Mr. Ruff, you're saying more words than you need to say. Stop talking. But to, to filter through to fact, we were just talking in the pre-show, we were talking, we're, we're going yeah. on about the Kennedy assassination stuff, right? Uh, like, okay, take away all people's assumptions, their opinions, all this stuff, and look at where are actual facts stated. One of the facts that they stated regarding that was they said Don and Adcock played phone tag. Mm-hmm. And so they stated that as a fact. And that then gives you the impression as the listener, oh, well, everybody's been saying that Don was unreachable, but as it turns out, he was playing phone. Well, what does phone tag mean? It means he's calling Adcock back and missing him, and Adcock's calling him and he's missing him, and, and vice versa. But then in actuality, and as I you know, went to the actual record and read the, read the report and read the trial testimony, that's not true at all. There was no phone tag. Adcock had called. He never called back. Never got back with him, and he finally was able to call him back and follow it up and got a hold of him at one thirty in the morning. That's what actually happened. Yeah, and I and you, I mean, like you said, you did a really good job of that, and that was actually something crazy to me as I didn't think about that. You know, like you said, I thought they were playing phone tag, but then you think about that, like he never tried to call. Hey, he never tried to like when when she didn't show up anywhere, he didn't try to call her. When she didn't show up for the date, he didn't try to call her. When he knew she was missing, he never tried to contact her. Right, and they use that same assumption with Adnan. The other way, right? That like he never tried to contact her, and he, you know, and we kind of see that going back in other cases where I think that a lot of people fall onto that though. Where like we don't really know what people would do. You know, you look in the last case that we did, the Pinion Pines case, yeah, and and they they kind of bring up Javier a bunch about that, where Javier never tried to contact Becky, and, and well, it Javier seems, did, but they said Robert didn't. Robert did, yeah, okay. So that there's just little things like that where I'm like, I don't I don't know which way to believe on that. To be honest. Well, and, and, and you hit the nail on the head. The point I was making wasn't – the intent isn't to say we should be looking at Don. The intent is to show the, 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 the hypocrisy in how they're handling it, right? So if Adnan doesn't call Hay, that makes him look guilty. Mm-hmm. Don doesn't call Hay perfectly normal. Oh, they only been dating a couple of weeks and you know, so on and so forth, so it, it, it's fine. And the only point there is, to me, for me, 
because this is, you know, the, the intent of the, rep- the reply brief series is not to dig into su- alternate suspects or anything like that. The point is the presentation and how they're trying to, as you said, like convince you and persuade you of different things. And so they, they, they take anything that is a viable alternate theory that someone might think, and then they either give you, a, as I've said many times, they give you a hyperbolic version of that and they make you seem crazy for thinking that, just gaslighting, or they twist the facts just enough and speed through them just enough mm-hmm. that, it may, that, you, that you're left forgetting about it. And, and in later episodes, I really narrow this down and I give several examples, so I won't get into too much of it here. But a set, their process is throughout the series, their 14 episodes, is like this weird process of elimination. And you don't realize, I didn't even realize it the first time I, li- it wasn't until the second time I listened through that I caught on to that's what they're doing. Little things like that, they are taking any, any place your brain might go other than Adnan is guilty and they're eliminating it. They're eliminating it through hyperbole. They're eliminating it through gaslighting. They're eliminating it through twisting some facts. And it's just this slow, steady burn of this process of elimination where by the end, they're able to present this theory that sounds like it's not based in any fact or evidence. And I'm not saying like I'm disagreeing with their facts and evidence. I'm saying they don't base it in fact. They literally don't cite any mm-hmm. when they give their final theory, but you're left believing it because you've been made to believe over the series of 14 episodes that any other theory is impossible. So you keep saying hyperbole, and I literally have that in my notes because I was curious about that when they start talking about Lincoln Park and and how that hundreds of bodies have been found there and serial killers hide their bodies there and like that's got to be hyperbole, right? Like it because is. if it's if it's that crazy, why would they not? Anytime anybody goes missing, why would you not search there that day? Right. Or yeah. why would you not have surveillance there if it's that big of an issue? That's a good point because I actually looked it up. There's been it's like since like. I, I probably have the date wrong, 1700s or 1800s or whatever, something. There's been 70 bodies found there. Okay. So that's a lot. That is a lot. But it's not hundreds. But like, why would you not, if it's that known to me, if it's that known of a spot to find bodies, like, why would you not look there first? Right. Um, they talked about Jen telling her friend that Hay was, that, that if the body was Hay, or if the body was strangled, she knew it was Hay. Mm-hmm. Like, where did that conversation come from? How do we know? I mean, it's a conversation Jen said she had. Okay. And then the police never tried to track down or interview the person that. But the per- the other person didn't say that. So Jen said that she said this to somebody. Right. Yep. Same thing with Jay with uh, Chris. With Chris. Yeah. Yep. It's the same thing where they said, oh, I told this other person. Then they used that as evidence. Well, they told somebody else. But then. They, you know, they gave them the names, they gave them phone numbers, they, and the, there's no evidence of the police ever talking to them. Although they're on the witness list, on the to-do list, so there's indications in the file, which that's getting pretty deep into the weeds that I tried to avoid, but there's indication that the police did talk to them, mm-hmm. but there's nothing in the file, which, you know, the, the conspiracy theory there is they talked to them and they said, what are you talking about? That never happened. So they just disappeared it. It's officially time to kickstart your holiday shopping, but there's no cause for panic. Uncommon Goods is here to make your holiday shopping stress-free by scouring the globe for the most remarkable and truly unique gifts for everyone on your list. Whether you're shopping for mom, dad, teenagers, in-laws, or your best friends, Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. For me, it's a one-stop shop for stocking stuffers. I just picked up a bunch of stuff for almost everyone on my list, including myself. Everything is so unique. Stuff I would never think about getting for people, but I know they're going to love. Like a cast iron garlic roaster. Never knew I needed one, but I bought one as a gift to myself. Now I got Becky this cool magnetic fell asleep here bookmark. I got tree ornaments made out of geodes, gemstone nightlights. They have it all and more. And when you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. These fine products are often made in small batches, so shop now before they sell out this holiday season. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. They have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. From art and jewelry to kitchen, home, and bar, Uncommon Goods has something for everyone. Not the same lackluster gifts you could find just anywhere. 
And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back a dollar to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash truth. That's uncommongoods.com slash truth for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods. We're all out of the ordinary. Weight management can be a very personal and difficult journey. What works for some may not work for others. Everyone's healthy weight is different, and we all know that losing weight and maintaining it can be a challenge, and it's often hard to find the solution that's right for you. You've probably heard about semaglutide, and you probably have questions. Do you qualify? Is it too expensive? Will your insurance not cover it? There is a solution, Henry Meds. Henry Meds offers affordable online weight management programs that utilize compounded semaglutide. Compounded semaglutide has been used by doctors to help people lose weight and effectively keep it off. Unlike traditional weight loss medications, it's a non-stimulant and usable by more people. With Henry Meds, you just sign up online, speak to a licensed medical provider on the Henry Meds platform, and if you're qualified for treatment, you'll receive medication right to your door, no insurance needed. You'll receive compounded semaglutide at an affordable price, saving thousands with Henry Med's weight management program. If you've wanted to try the popular weight loss medications out there, but your insurance won't cover it or seems too expensive, try something new with Henry Meds. And we've got a special offer for our audience. Visit henrymeds.com truth and receive $50 off your first month by using promo code TRUTH. Henry Meds offers prescription weight loss medication that reduces your appetite and cravings. And the monthly cost includes the telehealth provider appointment and medication, no insurance required. Again, that's henrymeds.com truth and receive $50 off your first month by using promo code truth. And we thank Henry Meds for sponsoring this episode. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, I have the two Zach questions, then we can move on. Um, that I feel probably everybody knows except for me because I'm learning right now. Actually, as you said that when you talked about you getting new information that no one knows, I'm like, I don't know any of this. That's so it's all new for you. <laughs> um, Alonzo Sellers finds the body. Right. Well, why was he out there? Okay, so that yeah, Good I guess question. we didn't really get into that that story. Yeah, so Sellers worked at the community college nearby. Okay, his story is it, there's is some, it geographically close? It's a it's a weird route. Okay. It's not it's not it's geographically close. Yes, with I can't it's within a few miles. Okay, it's in the area. Um, the route he took was weird. Um, but he so there, there's more weirdness with him. So like on this day earlier that day. He called the police to report that his radio from work was stolen in December. Okay. Which is a weird thing that just happened to be on that day. Then in the afternoon, he left work, didn't clock out, left work to go home. He says to pick up a plane to plane a door, Mm -hmm. a tool that he had the school didn't have. As he went home, when he got home, he grabbed a, a, a beer, chugged a beer, and then on his way back to the college, which is like five minute drive. Couldn't hold it any longer and pulls over in Lincoln Park. Okay. And walked out into the woods to go pee. And when he did that, he saw Hayes' hair sticking up out of the ground. There's a whole bunch of weirdness around it. I mean, everything like you couldn't, like he's literally like two minutes from the school. I shouldn't say literally because I don't remember how far it is, but pretty close, real close to the school. Okay. To just go but there. isn't the body like 120 feet off the road or yeah. something? Yeah. That's pretty it's a long deep. Way I mean, back I know that's not go. like super far, but that's pretty deep to just, I got to pee. I'm going to go hide way off in the woods. Yeah. And so there's that. 
and then so the um the, the I think it was the anthropologist, the 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 city somebody from the city came out to survey, I think it's a city surveyor, to survey and make the map where her body was found. Mm-hmm. After they knew where it was, and all the police are there and it's taped off and they're all standing around it, he noted that when he got there, he almost stepped on the body because you couldn't see it. And I've seen the crime scene photo, so it's you know it's it's covered in leaves. Essentially, what was visible was um, her hair, like was in a bun, kind of. Okay. So a little bit of her hair was showing. Her body was kind of sloped, so the head was kind of up a little bit, like kind of like the grave wasn't dug enough. So so her foot is sticking up on one end, and then her hair is sticking up on the other, and then her her body kind of. Well, there was a natural impression in the. Because of the fallen tree, there was a sort of natural impression. So the idea was maybe that somebody just sort of cleared out some leaves and debris and a little bit of dirt and tried to like use that as a burial site without actually doing much burying, right? Yeah, I think they dug. I mean, some people have said, I think like Robbie has said that it was, I think it was more than just cleared out some debris, only because like in the photos of when they're excavating her body, she's packed in dirt Hmm. pretty good. So I think, I think they took that natural depression dug it out a little bit more, put her in, covered with dirt. But but in any case, the point was all that was showing was her a bit of her hair and then her foot, which was, you know, dirty and leaf covered and everything. So so that was weird too. He says he he says he just stumbled across it and saw it. Yeah, it, it seems like it was it, it was pretty difficult to see. It's so there was so that's that's the story with with Alonzo Sellers. It's just very weird. Okay. It's so side question on that question. This this area, this wooded area. I mean, is it like really wooded, or is it like West Memphis Three wooded? It is similar to West Memphis Three. Leakin Park is like a patch of woods in the middle of the city. Okay, right. So you know how the the woods are in, yeah. in, in West. We've been there, right? So it's like there's no woods anywhere. Then there's boom. There's a patch of wood. It's bigger than that. Okay, and it's, so it's a it's like a windy road that winds through this wooded area. Um, but it's like hardwoods, so it's not like a lot of undergrowth mm-hmm. underneath. So it's you could see pretty well. You can walk pretty far in it, but there's some bushes and stuff in it. Okay. And my last question before we move on is they brought up that Adnan had asked for a plea or there's some sort of talk about a plea. What I, what is how does that come around? So there there's notes in the defense file that Adnan asked Gutierrez what if the state was offering a plea agreement. Okay. And she asked, and they weren't. They turned that into Adnan wanted to plead guilty. Yeah, that's the way I took I mean, I, I felt like they were asking, like, Adnan asked to plea. Yeah, now they bring it up later. Yeah, and that's what they, that's basically how they present it, is that he wanted to, he wanted to plead guilty. He had asked them if there was a plea. And it's because it was, that was brought up in one of the original appeals, uh, was that, um, and the judge had shut that down. So his attorney that did the his appeal said that Adnan was interested in taking in in taking a plea agreement, and uh, and Gutierrez didn't pursue it or whatever. And the judge said like that's not consistent with anything that we saw from him, even when when he, you know he spoke for before sentencing any of that. There's no indication that he ever wanted to plead guilty. Yeah, that seems. I don't know. The plea seems strange to me. This, I don't know. The whole thing seems strange to me. Well, the thing point. about the, the the plea is, you know, him asking if they're offering anything. You got you got to remember where they're at. They're they're getting ready to go to trial. He's facing a life sentence, and they're telling him that they have a witness that says they were there with you. So the attorneys, imagine you're the attorney, right? Mm-hmm. You don't really know if he's innocent or guilty, and they're just telling you they have a somebody's about to go testify to a jury. That they were with you when you, as far as they knew, you were they they were with you when you murdered her. Doesn't look good, and so you can see you you can see how you know. And and this is all up for interpretation. Some people will be like, nope, nobody ever pleads guilty to a crime they didn't commit. Um, you know, over ninety some percent of all cases end in in plea agreements. So you'd have to believe that every single one of those people are guilty for to believe that. But the reality is, when you're facing a life sentence. And if your attorney's probably telling you, like, this doesn't look good. Like, how do you win a case when they have a witness that says that they saw you do it? You know, you can see how that could maybe transpire. I, I should say this. I can see how that could maybe transpire, how that conversation could come up. So Alice closes the episode 
which I found very striking to me, which is another thing that like is very persuasive because she's so matter of fact about it. She says timelines matter and their timeline is put together based on the evidence they have. And, and I felt, I mean, like listening to it feels like a very strong statement. Um, you, you makes me want to believe them. And then immediately turning around and listening to your episode starting five minutes after I finished theirs is difficult because now you're presenting evidence that shows that their timeline is not doesn't work. Doesn't right. work. So you right. So you can say Jay says that uh, you know that he dropped him off for track practice. We know he's a track practice. Jay says that he called him. We see in the call logs they called him. Jay says they called Nisha. We see where there's a call to Nisha, and they they can present it that way. And the quote basic story, which that'll make more sense to you when you get to the mm-hmm. end of their episode, uh, it does make it like, yeah, everything lines up what they're not. So what the patrons heard this week was the statement analysis breakdown of Jay's second interview and compared to the statement analysis from last week of his first interview. So I think they talk about the second. Is that the one where he says they, that he killed him at the library? That she, did he killed Hay at the library? Nope. That was <laughs> that was Chris. So the guy that Jay said that he talked to, mm-hmm. the police never talked to him. Sarah Koenig talked to him 15 years later, and he said at some point Jay had told him that Adnan had killed Hay at the library at the school. Okay. And that the trunk pop happened at a pool hall. Yeah, because Brett in this episode does discuss that and does seem to be like, that makes a little more sense to the story. Right, because he's trying to, he's trying to hedge against Asia. Just in case you believe Asia, that's fine. Because this other guy said that he killed him at the li- he killed her at the library. I just have such a hard time with this whole. I, I'm still waiting for something. Something's got to come together for me to show me how guilty he is. Because it's like everybody that says he's guilty says he's guilty because Jay says he's guilty, and then they say, "But Jay lies, so not everything Jay says is right." But we still believe Adnan is guilty. That's that weird circular logic I talk about. Yeah, it's so confusing. Yeah, so, yeah, so. Yeah, and, and so when you when you hear that basic story, it sounds it lines up just fine. And there's a reason why, like you said, you were surprised that in one episode they went from the night Adnan was arrested, all the or, or from the, the the night Hay went missing, all the way up to the day he was arrested in one episode. Yeah. Well, there's a reason for that. Because they don't want to focus on details. Because if you look at details, you realize that timeline is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like the, you know, we, we did, we've done the episode on the Nisha call. The Nisha call is impossible. It's absolutely impossible. If you look at the actual details of it. So we skip by it. We just real quick talk about the things that, the things that fit, the things that make sense. And we move on. As I started to say, like with, J, with Jay's second interview, you see like, yeah, his story lines up with the cell phone records, but it, it's, it's clearly obvious. It's even admitted in the record that the police were confronting him with the cell. Re- he didn't give a story. Now, if Jay had come in and said, this is what happened, blah, 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 blah. And then they got the cell phone records and they're like, yep, that fits. That's something very different. What happened here is Jay came in. They had cell records. He gave a story that he tried to fit with them that was, didn't fit. was all over the place. Mm-hmm. Then they say they present Jay with the cell phone records. And he tells a completely different story that now lines up with the cell phone records. But there's a tell in there. And the tell is there's a few of them, a lot of them, actually. But the biggest one is they and the map that's in the case file that they were presenting to Jay mm-hmm. had a cell tower mislabeled in the wrong place. And it showed that he was in a place that covered Christy Vincent's house. So his story changes now. Oh yeah. I went to Christy Vincent's house, but now we know that cell phone tower was in the wrong place. So like you track the air, you source the air. Mm-hmm. And, and Brett and Alice both seem to portray that, that they did not have the cell phone data at that point when they were talking to Jay. That's that's a hundred percent what they put forth in the episode. Yeah, and that's I don't remember the order of the episodes, but if you got the one where like we go oh, oh, in this episode, in episode five, is where I point out. Yeah, no, they, this is where you start. You come in hot and heavy on this one. Yeah, because they literally say when reading the record on February twenty second, they received the cell site locations. Mm-hmm. As the episodes go on, they're going to tell you this couldn't have been fed by the police because they didn't have the cell site locations. When they themselves have already said they had the cell site locations. Mm-hmm. It's just another one of those like just little bitty twist. And now it makes sense. All right. I think that's all I got. All right. Those are all very good questions. 
and uh, and 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 I, th- I think you're doing pretty darn well for somebody who doesn't know. I'm trying about the case ahead of time. I'm trying. Uh, and we are joined this week by Janet Varney, all the way from Tucson, Arizona. We've heard her speak up a little bit. Uh, Janet, do you want to share any thoughts before we get any questions? Um, I, you know, it's, it's it's certainly off topic from the reply brief in question, but you brought up sellers. So, I mean, that's something that I see a lot of people in the comments live right now uh, talking about. And it's something that just keeps kind of coming up as this sort of weird anomaly that no one knows what to do with. Do you have any thoughts about what is going on there? With sellers? Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't have enough information. And, and I've, I've said this since 2015 when I covered this case, right? So, I mean, it's weird. The story doesn't seem to add up to me. There's the fact that, which we cover later, the fact that he failed his first polygraph test. And then he passed a second one with, and the, where the questions were asked a little differently. Right. And we, we learn from the Adnan's conviction being vacated that there seems to be more two sellers. Exactly. He's not named, but it seems that, you know, they say that one of the, one of the suspects had a relative that lived where Hayes' car was left. And I, I believe it's Sellers' brother's wife lived right there mm. in, the, in those row homes. Um, they said the, you know, one of them had means, motive, and opportunity. There had been a threat made, supposedly, by one of the suspects to Hayes. So I don't know. That's why I said, you know, it's it's hard to dig into alternate suspects without much information. All I know about about sellers is is it, it's strange and it's something that I have a pin in that I, I don't right. fully understand yet. And in discovery, the only information that's in there is kind of what we hear either in serial or in undisclosed, which even in undisclosed, it's not much, right? I mean, it really is like right. We don't really know about any investigation that was done other than that we hear about the polygraph tests. Like, that's kind of, from my memory, right? It, I didn't even know about the thing where he calls the police and says his radio was stolen. That I, that feels like new information to me, but maybe it was somewhere. Yeah. And then there is, you know, there, there was some, I mean, that's part of why the conviction was overturned, was because of Brady information. Because, and I don't remember if it was about sellers or the, the two, the internet has kind of figured out that the two people, the two suspects mentioned in the conviction vacated appear to be Bilal and Sellers. But they were, the conviction was overturned based on Brady violations that, you know, somebody had told Yurik, I believe, that, that one of those two had threatened Hay and that they had information that one had means, motive, opportunity, that they had information that one of them had family lived there. So it seems as though there was some investigation and that information was kept from the defense and then kept from the public. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. So... Nick in the comments said that sellers parked on the opposite side of the road and then walked into the woods. Like he walked into the opposite. Yeah. It's super weird. 
well, he did, and some other people have pointed that out. I don't think it's super weird because, yeah, he so he's driving this way, uh-huh. and then he pulls over on the side of the road to the right, and then he went and peed on the left side of the road. But when you open, when you park on the right side of the road and you open the driver's door, you're opening to traffic. Yeah, to that side, but you still got to cross. It seems right. Know, so, it's, so it's either walk straight across the street or walk around your vehicle to get to the side you're on. So I just don't think it's that weird. I think okay. it's weird. I find it weird. I find it weird, but I also that's that's my thinking. Yeah, and, and, part and of I that, know that can't. And part of that may be that I've been there, okay. yeah. and it made more sense to me because it's just it's it's a two lane quiet road with no traffic in the middle of the woods. So like crossing the street, it's not like you know crossing a highway. You know, it's literally like you pull into this quiet. And did that feel like a natural place to stop? Uh, it it did feel like a natural place to stop. To bury the body um, was one of the things that I wanted to do is I, I have kind of a theory, a pet theory about where the murder actually happened. Mm-hmm. And so I want to see, okay, if I'm driving from there, mm-hmm. why would I choose this place to stop? And coming from that direction, it actually does because you're driving through, there's some houses, there's nowhere to pull over. And then all of a sudden you come around this turn and boom, there's the, it's literally the coming from that direction, the first spot, not where sellers pulled over on the side of the road to pee, but where the, the opposite side where the body was buried. I could be like, yeah, if I was looking for a place to bury a body and I'm driving through here, it's like, boom, there's no houses up on the hills mm-hmm. through the woods. There's no lights coming through. There's a, there's a spot where you can pull over. It makes sense to pull over and park right there. Would it, make, would it feel like it made sense to do that like in the early evening or does it feel like it makes more sense to do that in the middle of the night? Just curious. Does it make a difference? I don't, I don't know if it would make uh, – I, I mean, the, the burial in general to me doesn't make sense mm-hmm. at 7 o'clock at night because, right. again, you're not very far back. Your cars, par- two cars are parked out right there. Right. So you would think, you know, if somebody would notice that, right? You think that, that oh, a body's, a body's found there. You know, what are the odds no one drove through there at that time? As opposed to, you know, the middle of the night would make more sense. Just, just logically to me. Right. To right. go be burying a body that close to the road. Right. And I'm sure you'll get into all of that when they get into lividity and all of that. I just want to shout out Jennifer in the chat who does bring up like w- what else would have been in the discovery about sellers is something that we hear about in serial that you don't know zach which is that he also had a record his record was in there and his record amongst i guess maybe other things but i don't want to misspeak or overstate um but that he had indecent exposure like flashing streaking that kind of stuff like and, and that does come up in a later episode okay um on the prosecutors and then in the and in uh, my coverage of it so we'll we'll talk about that stuff when we get there okay all right, so uh, the, I'm going to sort of generalize some stuff here. I think some of it is um, maybe pertains more to future episodes, and then some of it is just general positive feedback. Like Jeanette uh, L wanted to just make the general comment that you know she's really been enjoying the process of 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 having the experience of you listening for the first time and sort of hearing things in bits and pieces and not being in the weeds as much and kind of having those like, but. Does how does that work kind of moments that's been refreshing for her. And I think a lot of people feel that way. So thank you for for kind of going on this journey. It's been a fun way. I mean, I know I'm not, I'm just jumping in for a second, but it's been a fun way to to intake this case. I honestly think I think it's it's been a more fun process for me as a listener to go back and forth and hear both sides rather than like just taking in the prosecutors or just taking in truth and justice or just taking in serial for that matter. Mm-hmm. Like I think this has been a really interesting exercise for me and and hopefully other people as well yeah yeah and somebody in the comments earlier had said why doesn't zach just you know serials 12 episodes is an easy binge why doesn't he listen to it i don't think that's a good idea for me personally because it's it it is not in depth enough to do the work that we're doing and there's a lot of misinformation in it that is already correct for example a huge staple of that investigation on serial was that there was track or there was a wrestling match that day right and there wasn't one so i don't want to send you down to go get even more confused to hear about things that we were already proven aren't true fair enough so that we also have you know and, and it's very natural for it to happen i completely understand it stuff was coming up for me and in, in my memories of uh the first season of truth and justice as well um because dawn is used as an example in this reply brief as you know well here's the sort of like double standard that's going on but there are questions that continue to come up around him. And so when his name is discussed and when some of that information arises, 
there are naturally other things that follow that. So I don't know if you want to get into questions about, for example, his time cards, which Rock had a question about that, which makes sense, or his his mother and stepmother and and stuff like that. Like, do you want to do that here? Or would you like to press pause on that? Let's press pause on it because we will get into that. You know, it, it, in Brett and Alice's, one of their final episodes, they go in depth into Don, essentially to, again, eliminate him for you. And when they do that, I'm going to just correct the facts that they're getting wrong about it. Um, but we can, we'll, we'll cover that when we get to it. Okay. Then there is a question from Carl who says, not sure this is relevant to the episode. When it comes to talk about the closeness of Anand and Jay's friendship, do we ever get an idea of what other potentially close friends, especially male friends that Anand may have had? And do they fit into this case at all? I know about Stephanie, but anyone else? Yeah, I mean, he's very close with Yasser. He's very close with Saad Chowdhury. That's how that's Rabia's connection to the case. People think that they're some people think that they're like family or that Rabia is older than um, than Adnan and Hay and all these people. Her younger brother Saad was one of Adnan's best friends. And as as far as their you know the closeness of their friendship, as I said, like it doesn't really matter. I just find it odd that they spend so much time trying to work that angle. But the truth is, so if you go back and listen to my season one, like I even interviews, interviewed uh, Laura, who was yeah. one person who was very good friends with Jay, Adnan, and Hay, and Jen. Like she's like the only, she's like this glue that holds everybody together. And she said they weren't friends. Like Jay and Adnan Everyone weren't said close. It. Everyone said Literally, it. Every, Jay said it, Jen said it, Stephanie Laura said, said it. it. Every, yeah, Todd Stephanie, said it. everybody. Like yeah. yeah. So, but then I question, I mean, so I get it. And this is me as a listener. Like, if they're not close, why is he borrowing it? Why is he loaning him his car all the time? Well, that question comes up a lot. And that's one of those, you know, th- that's one of the arguments that gets thrown back up. It's like, well, yeah, but if they're not close, then why would he give him his car on his phone? And that all comes down to, and, and that's kind of, to me, that's, that's why I think Brett and Alice keep pushing that angle. They want them to be closer so uh, they can they can prove well, that that's a good reason why he would ask them to bury the body to begin with and why I would give him the car on the phone. But there was actually a thread about this on, on Facebook a few weeks ago where people were discussing it. And it's one of those, we've got to be very careful to not assign what we would do in a situation to other people. So like in that thread, somebody made that exact point. They're like, I would never give my car and phone, especially, you know, phones by the minute they cost so much back then, blah, 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 to somebody that wasn't a very close friend of mine. And, and then my response was, yeah, but you wouldn't. That doesn't mean nobody else. Would. And then like other people were like, I used to do that all the time. People, I would just leave my keys in my car. And people, I used to lend my car out all the time to be, I didn't have a cell phone in high school, but. Well, I definitely lended my car out, but I, I just think about like, they were definitely friends. I don't necessarily mean like they were close friends, but I wouldn't say somebody that I wasn't close to at all. What they have both described is that they were, they were like acquaintances. They were, they were kind of friends. They just weren't real close. And you can see from the call log, which, you know, they use the call log to show, look how many times they talk. They're definitely best friends. And then like, I look at him like, so he, like my best friend, I talk to every day Yeah, in high school. Right. You know, the fact that he calls him and then he talk, talks to him again, six days later, doesn't mean best friends to me. And again, I don't think it matters. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. It's, I, the only reason I brought it up, like on the reply briefs is it's just odd to me that they're, that they're so focused on it. And then the, the logic they use to get there too is, is, is flawed in my opinion, but it all comes down to like, why would he lend the car? Why would he lend the phone? First of all, Adnan has never said he lent Jay the phone. What Adnan says is that he just had his phone in his glove box. And that Jay just got it out of there. Jay says he told him he could use his phone to call him. And then we see, as it was pointed out in this one, that there are, we know, according to Jay and Adnan, that Adnan got his pot from Jay. And so that was a reason for them to connect. Now, listen, this is my own, my own stuff here, but I didn't want to get in the car with my weed hookup, let alone let my weed hookup borrow my car. Well, I mean, if I had one. Well, Jay seemed... (laughs) Jay seems to be in, like an intermediary, so it seems like Patrick is the actual, air quotes, dealer. Mm-hmm. From, from what they say, Patrick is who Jay gets the weed from, and then Adnan gets it from Jay. 
So yeah, you know, I was never I was a square in school and never did any of that did any of that stuff. But maybe that's the safeness there is. Well, my buddy's going to get it from the dealer, then I'm going to get it from mm-hmm. my buddy, and that's when they connect and they hang out. I don't know. It's it's a it's a it's one of those things where like you can talk it in circles to death and you can argue forever as much as I can say, well, yeah, but I I would lend my car to anyone and I didn't care. Someone else can say I would never lend my car to any. You know what I mean? So it, it's it's it's. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I like I talk about when you're doing like statement analysis, like to filter through all of that and get to facts because that's not something you can ever prove mm-hmm. either way. Right. Holland says, other than Alonzo Sellers, was anyone else asked to take a polygraph? And what does that tell us about the police's attitude to solving this case? I don't remember. I wish I had the answer to that. I'm trying to think if I don't think anyone else took one. I know Adnan didn't take one. I know Jay never took one. Yeah. I can't think Don of anyone else either. One. No, I don't know if they asked anybody to or if it was only sellers. I really don't know that. I would love to give you a solid answer on that. I'll have to look it up, but I don't, I, I have to say, I don't remember. I know who, I know no one else took one, or at least I, my memory is telling me no one else took one. I don't know if they wanted anybody else to take one. Yeah. Okay. Amber and Tara, I just want to kind of combine uh, their comments and questions, but sort of a general comment about like this place where the replies where the reply briefs are living is great to listen to is there sort of going to be a list version in a sense of you know like statement fact statement fact i hope that's okay uh ladies that i'm kind of summing it up that way but sort of a place where if someone's not listening to them but you just you know someone just wants to like shoot over a list that's like, well, here are all the discrepancies. Like, here are all the misrepresentations episode by episode or what have you. Is that something? I mean, you've got a lot going on, so, but. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Right. Uh, I, <laughs> because I don't have time. But I, but uh, if someone, if a listener wants to do that, it would be, I would love to have that, something like that um, when we have Bob Mata on, when we're done, yeah. to be able to like, to be able to accurately say, Here's all the things that I have problems with. Something that you know I could send to him before, beforehand, so we can discuss it. So if somebody wants to do that, that'd be great. I certainly do not have time to go back and re-listen to all of the episodes to to do that. I just don't have the time. Yeah, sure. No, that's totally. I feel like that'll that'll happen. We got a good team of folks who um, will be good at kind of grabbing that information and putting it out there in that way. Um, that is pretty much it. Uh, but you mentioned Bob Mata, and I just was going to say that this is a, another conversation for another time, but I'm so curious about like the pretrial kind of motion stuff, because that's really been in my head lately, and just hearing him talk about his experiences and how that's the place and time where stuff comes out that the, ju- the jury never hears. And so in his words, I think he said, like, that's where the really juicy stuff gets discussed. And I'm right. just so curious about like, when we hear about, for example, the defense not knowing who Jay is, and and we've heard about it, I think, in terms of stipulations, like, you know, when people don't know much about lividity, and they stipulate to something that's not accurate. But I don't know a bunch around the, the sort of pre-trial stuff in this case. Do, do you know much about that? A little bit. I mean, the one thing I've tracked is the defense trying to figure out who Jay was, and then what he had to do with any of this once they knew who he was. And somebody on Facebook the other day had asked about that. They're like, well, why, you know, how did that happen? Was the defense not asking for it? And, and how did the state get away? Somebody asked, was it Brady? It's not Brady because this was pretrial. Essentially, the state was making the argument that, that they, they were afraid for their witnesses' safety. And they kept making, so every time, every time um, Gutierrez would file, a, would file a motion to compel them to give them the witness statement, they would respond with it's you know it, it it would put him in danger so they can't tell him and, and that was the argument the state kept making back and forth. That's the only thing that pretrial that I've really um, spent much time focusing on because it was a, it was just a huge hole for the defense. You know, like, like I said, even if you're somebody who thinks Adnan's guilty, there's no question about the fact that even if he was guilty, he didn't tell his defense who Jay was. Right. So the defense were just like we have like you can imagine that conversation like. Okay, they're saying, okay, now we know it was Jay Wilds. And it, it, we heard, you heard Jay or Adnan talk about kind of that moment on Serial where he was like, Jay? What's, what's Jay have to do with it? You know, that's, you know, whether he's acting or what, it all depends on your perspective. But it was like, so that's what the defense had was 
they have a witness that says they witnessed you doing this. Yeah. Because they didn't know that it was just the burial that he was a part of. They just knew that he was a witness and he was a co-conspirator, right? Yeah. They have a witness saying that he was a co-conspirator in murdering her. Why is he saying that? And he's like, I have no idea. You know, I don't know who that is. Yeah. I mean, that's very difficult to defend against. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, that is essentially it. Um, this is unrelated, but Byron uh, made a, a great note in the follow-up on Facebook saying, just to circle back to K. Alana Turner, uh, just a heads up that the Vanish Pod dropped an episode on her today. So if that is uh, one oh, of the many cases that haunts you as it haunts me and many of us, um, there's an opportunity to- We actually met one of K. Alana's friends down at Obsessed Fest. Yeah. Yeah, one of her friends came up to us and 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 gave me a hug and thanked yeah. us for covering her case and said that she's friends with with uh, with Kaylana. So, um, yeah, so go check out the Vanish podcast. They have a great podcast anyway, and uh, and they're covering that case. So hopefully we get a little more information from there. I also want to point out to Super Chat just came in from Tiffany Webb who said that she can do the notes. She says it's what nice. she does for work. So Tiffany, you just got yourself elected, and thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Tiffany, uh, for doing that. That'd be great. It would be awesome to have that. Uh, and, and again, hopefully all of you were, when you guys are hearing this is right smack in the dab of what for me, uh, from, from school is a five day weekend, which for me means that's five days for me to catch up on some work and then try to unplug and spend some time with the family. Hopefully that you guys are doing the same. Um, so don't forget, there's not a main episode coming on Sunday. Uh, for the patrons, you'll get the comedy hour. If that's something you're interested in it, I'm going li- to listen, do not listen, do not watch that video thinking you're going to hear anything important. It's stand-up comedy uh a bunch of nonsense it's just having some fun so uh if that's something you're interested in and you're on patreon uh and you're on patreon that'll be there uh and the next week we'll be coming out with episode 10 on patreon episode six on the main feed uh our, our part six where we're talking about the uh and part six is the asian mclean aspect of it where they spend a good good amount of time covering her and i think oh and also uh keep in mind i'm gonna put up another post so uh, so we don't have a main episode, but we do have a follow-up next week. So I will be putting up a post on Sunday or Monday for any follow-up questions. So think about any questions you have about the case up till now or any other questions. A lot of times we do these follow-ups and we didn't have a main episode. You know, we can kind of talk about anything you want. So any burning questions you have, just make sure uh, be thinking about follow-up questions for us. So we got something to talk about next week. Great. And, uh, with that being said, I hope you all yesterday had a great Thanksgiving. If you celebrate that, hopefully you're enjoying time with family. If that's something you're able to do, uh, I know Zach and Janet, you guys will be doing that. I'm going to do the same and can't wait to talk to you guys again next week. Hopefully we'll all be a little bit refreshed. After being right smack in the dab of a five day weekend. Schaefer, I want to shout you out because I've been sitting waiting to make fun of that for the last two minutes since he said it. But he was right smack in the dab of talking, so I couldn't say anything until he finished being Surely right smack, in the, smack dab. in the dab of. Uh, bye, everybody. We love you. Thanks, everybody. Bye, guys. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production. All music for the show is created and composed by Shane Yoder at PutThemInASong.com. The font you see on all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com designed, created, manages, and maintains our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our volunteer transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Courtney Wimberly, Erica Cantor, Melissa Cardenas, Kaywood Yomnick, and Danielle Rohr. And as always, thank you to all of you for your engagement and your support. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that in a number of ways. The number one way for you to support our work is to become a patron at patreon.com slash truthandjustice. If you join our Patreon, not only will you be financially supporting our work, but you'll also get something for your pledge. For just $5 per month, you'll get all episodes ad-free and also a video version of the Friday follow-ups that include an hour-long pre-show chat exclusive to our patrons. Other levels will get you a Truth and Justice Army t-shirt, Truth and Justice hats, and even the opportunity to co-host a Friday follow-up episode. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice to sign up. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review 
doesn't cost you a penny and it goes a long way towards making the show more visible. If you have a case that you'd like us to consider covering, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram, or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Varney, and Zach is at Z to the Q. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice.